Turn to someone and say, I'm glad you're in church and you're not on holiday. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes. Then you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And for those that are on holiday, that are live streaming, welcome, welcome. It's better to be here than to be live streaming. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. What a glorious time we're having this time of the year, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Good things in store for us in 2024. Amen. I want to tell you that I live in the goodness of God all the time. It doesn't matter what the calendar says. It doesn't matter what the days come and go, weeks come and go, months come and go, years come and go. I'm just living in the glory of God. I'm living in God, with God, for God, dedicated to God and Him in me. I thought you would be more kind of... Amen about that, you all. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Okay. I intend to see if I can get through with this message today on crossing over from the curse to the blessing. And so I just want to uh, remind you of what I've been saying very briefly. Both blessing and cursing are vehicles of supernatural activity or supernatural power. In other words, blessing is the result and or consequence of obedience to God and curses is the result and or consequence of disobedience to God. A curse is God's correction or judgment against disobedience. It requires disobedience for God to remove His blessing. It is a God against the full glory and goodness of God. This correction is necessary because of the authority given to man and man's permission given to Satan, uh, to Satan turn authority and creative power into rebellion. So if, uh, if there was no correction, rebellion would take over. So God has to bring correction and judgment to everything that is disobedient. And so I read to you what the definition of consequence is. And uh, it's something produced by a cause or following from a set of conditions. And it's importance with respect to power or produce an effect. So the synonyms are after effect or chain reaction. So if there's disobedience, then God has to bring correction And he has to bring judgment on disobedience. I can't go through all of the weeks of teaching. Suffice to say, 
You have to listen from a couple of weeks ago and go with every single session, every message on crossover, curses and blessings to get the full scope of what I've been teaching. You can't just take one message and say this is wrong or this is right or whatever the case might be. You've got to listen to all of them. Okay, so I just want to uh, lay a foundation for this message this morning. God is light. God is love. God is joy, peace. God is the fullness and the abundance of all that is life. Right? There is no other source of life. God is life. God is life, His light, and His love. That's it. If you want to know who God is, that's who He is. So, uh, then if you have to say, well, he's in the kingdom. His kingdom is the kingdom of light. His kingdom is the kingdom of life. His kingdom is the kingdom of love. Then you've got to say, well, what is, is there another kingdom? Well, there is another kingdom and it's the kingdom of darkness. So if you would say God is life and blessing, then you have to say kingdom of darkness is anti-blessing. You have to say the kingdom of darkness where God is health because he's life and he's light, then you have to say the kingdom of darkness is anti-health, anti-blessing, anti-joy, anti-peace, anti-everything, right? So if you're going to say God is a giver of life, he's the giver of abundance, he's the giver of prosperity, he's the giver of love, he's the giver of all good things, then the kingdom of darkness has come to not create an alternative but to destroy that what already exists. But of course, he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that by revealing his, his, uh, his end game. So he, he carefully, carefully packages it to make it your choice. And so it has to be your choice because God has given to all of mankind a blessing to live. He has given us the source of love. So in order for death to come into the world, choices have to be made for it. And so you're not going to willingly make a choice for death, are you? No, you're not going to make a willing choice to say, well, why don't you come and steal from me? Please, I'm opening my life up to come and steal from me. You're not going to do that willingly. You're not going to invite theft, death, destruction, you're not going to invite those things willingly into your life. In fact, you're going to do the opposite. You're going to say, no, I'm going to make decisions that are going to be for my benefit. So the only way that you can willingly make decisions that are going to bring something else into your life is for him to make you believe you're making the right decision. So isn't that what he did with Eve? He made her believe that she was making the right decision. So she made the wrong decision, believing she was making the right decision. So she invited and Adam invited death. What is death? Separation from life. So death and destruction and all the stuff that comes with it. So, I mean, it's very clear to me and I hope it's becoming more clear to you that the enemy of God himself has no power. His power is the power that men give him. And his existence as a authority in the realm of mankind is because man gave him the authority to do that. 
Without man, man giving him permission, he wouldn't be able to do anything. It's quite sobering, don't you think? It is quite sobering. All right. I'm going to just give you a few scriptures here that are just to make sure that we are all on the same page here. This morning. I'm going to just read Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 to you. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Now this is, this is really what God wants from us. Imitate God. Why? Because if you do the things that God does, then you will have everything that God is. So he's saying, I don't want you to live any other way but imitating me. Why? Because if you're imitating me, everything that I am, you have. That is the kingdom of God. If you imitate God, imitate him. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So what does what is the scripture saying? Imitate God and wherever yourself has to be sacrificed, do it. Because the benefit is so great. Because the reward is so good. Be imitators of God. Wherever you need to die, wherever you've got to give up yourself, do it. It becomes a sweet smelling aroma to God. Now I'm going to use this to get into why there is such a thing as a curse in the earth. Verse 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolishness, no, sorry, no foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, who is an idol worshiper, an idolater, has an, any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Can you see that God, when it talks about the wrath of God, it's talking about the judgment of God. Can you see the kind of things that attracts God's judgment? Filthiness, foolish talking, empty words. Behavior patterns that are full of covetousness, uncleanness. These are things that attract the judgment of God. Hallelujah. This is a good thing. Because if there was no judgment, then people would just live exactly as they choose. Have you ever had this thought? Why is it that people who are really just bad people don't take over the whole earth? I mean, if you, think, if you think that violence and powerful, violent, raw power 
military power maybe, just strength and raw power. Evil people don't just take over the whole earth. Why not? Why not? I mean, surely if, if strength and power is the source of all things, I mean, if it's, if it's, the, only, if, if it's the dominating thing in the universe, why, don't, why doesn't it take control of the whole earth? I mean, surely that would have happened in the days of Genghis Khan or Caesar or Hitler or someone else. You know, surely it's been tried. It's been tried over generations. It's tried. Violence and power and strength has tried. And evil has tried to dominate the whole earth through actual raw physical power. Why did it not succeed? I mean, you can have nice statements like, you know, because there were good men who stood up to evil. And that's exactly true. There was good men. That, but what gave the good men the right to stand, the, 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 the source of purpose to stand up against evil? It's God. It's the judgment of God. Uh, I, I was reading to, the, to, to young people the other day, from the book of Corinthians, the Bible says that we can do nothing against the truth, but everything we have to do is, to, is supporting the truth. And that's the truth of God. God's judgment is the ultimate force in the universe. Otherwise, sin would just be rampant. That's why the Bible says where sin is, uh, uh, grace is much more. There's more grace than there's evil. There's more grace. Amen. I'm going to read quite a lot of scripture this morning, but it's necessary. I think the Bible sometimes speaks better for itself than we as preachers think that it has. So sometimes you just got to read the Bible and let the Bible speak. Amen. Okay, so Genesis, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the hand, house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Huh. I wonder how many gods exist in the world today that people put above God. Well, I, I, in previous uh, times, last year, maybe earlier this year, I, I talked about some gods and I even had images on the screen here about the bull outside of Wall Street, where there's an image of the bull which talks about the bullish sentiment of Wall Street and it refers to Old Testament bulls that were a reflection of gods and prosperity. That's why there's a big bull on in front of Wall Street. Why would they put a big image of a bull in front of Wall Street in New York City? It's an image. So what do you think? That the world, the world is uh, worshipping its own capability to in increase wealth through stock exchanges? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And there's many other things, many, many other idols that are in our society that we don't even know of. But God says, 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now again, if I had to try and persuade you to hate God, and I came up in, and I just said to, to any person on the street and say, just hate God. Why don't you hate God? Just come on, hate God. Everybody's going to say, no, man, don't be silly. I'm not going to do that. What's the point of doing that? I don't hate God. Well, then do you love God? If you had to confront someone like that with a question, I'm not even talking about a Christian person. I'm just talking about anybody in the street. Say, why don't you hate God? Well, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, you say, well, do you love God? No, I don't think I do that either. So which one do you do more, hate or love? Well, I'm not sure, but I certainly don't hate God. Well, you might, then you might get into a conversation, but I don't understand why sick people and children and poverty and you know, rape and all that kind of stuff, violence. They'd probably start having a conversation. So I don't hate God, but I don't understand these things. And so if God's a loving God, then, then they might have an intellectual conversation with you. But if you ask them straight out, do you hate God? They say no. But if you, I looked at all their actions, there's no God in their behavior, in their lives. So then they would still say, no, but my behavior is my choices. It's not because I hate God. But your choices say that you don't love the things of God, so therefore you hate God. Because if you didn't hate God, you would love Him. So, I mean, you know, people don't want to come straight out and just have a conversation like that. And of course not, the devil doesn't want anybody to have conversations like that either because it starts to expose darkness. This is, this is important because it helps us understand what happens to a third and a fourth generation. Because it's not, so much, it's not so much that there's a curse that's coming down to the third and fourth generation. It's habits and patterns that are learned from fathers to sons, from mothers to daughters, for generation after generation, without anybody questioning whether a habit that is learned by the father is loving God or hating God. So if you don't question it, if you don't question it, then you're already in danger because you just say, I must do what my fathers did. Or you rebel against your fathers and do your own thing, but you're actually perpetuating what your father did because he rebelled against his father's things. And so all of these things reflect the hate of God, not the love of God. Well, how do I know? Well, I'm about to read it to you. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, there's an answer to you why people use the name Jesus Christ as a swear word. You shall not take the name of the Lord. Okay. Um, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. 
You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Well, I, you know, what I preach, I don't preach that as a law, but I preach that in my eight eternal principles in leadership school, that one of the eternal principles of God is rest, just as one of the eternal principles is work. Because God is saying here, he worked six days and then on, this, on one day he rests. So you need to have rest and work. You can't just work without rest. Your body won't last. Your mind won't last. Your work won't last. Your stuff won't last. You will burn out if you work too hard. Rest is important. Watch the next one. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which your Lord, your God is giving you. You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let me tell you, if you have an opinion about somebody that is just your opinion, that you say is their intention, their motive, their right, their wrong, and you bring a judgment, that's what you're doing. You're bringing a false witness. So don't talk about your neighbors. It's not worth it. Don't talk about your neighbors. It's not worth it. Come on. There's a reason why in the New Testament, the Bible says, if you've got something against your brother, go to him and tell him. If he won't hear you, take somebody with you so that he can hear you. And if he won't hear you together, then take him to the elders of the church so that the elders of the church can handle the transaction. In other words, Jesus was giving a New Testament solution to this law. Don't speak against your neighbor. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Deal with it. If you've got something that's a problem, go talk to them. Otherwise, shut up. It's no good for you to talk about someone else. Come on, aren't we like that in in the church? Don't talk about someone else. Don't bear false witness. It's a big deal. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. They said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. What do you think God was doing by demonstrating his glory, his voice, his thundering, his lightning? What was he doing? He's just given the 10 commandments and he's demonstrating all of his power and his awesomeness and his glory. Why? He's saying, look at my glory, look at my strength, look at my power, look at my greatness. Do these things and be blessed. I am on your side Do these things and live life to the fullest. He wasn't trying to kill them. But their impression of what they heard was this awesome power is too much for us to handle. So let's put someone in between us. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be for you so that you may not sin. Here's the whole thing. Don't let sin be the reason why Anti-blessing comes to your love. 
So if we say use the word curse, you know, it always has this connotation. So that's why I'm using anti-blessing. Don't let sin be the reason for curses to come upon you. Anti-blessing. Because my presence has got to judge the stuff that brings curses. So in my judgment, anti-blessing has got to be there. Yeah. If I don't judge it, then it will continue unabated. It will just grow and grow and grow. Okay. I just want to make this comment. That this is a symptom that has become more and more, more and more relevant and prevalent. Not relevant. More and more prevalent. More and more obvious in the church. That the people want to come to the churches and they want to put up for themselves great preachers, great speakers, great men that will stand in the pulpit and they bring their wealth and they bring their energy and they bring their, they say, you hear from God and we will come and do our part for the church. But you hear from God. This is not the way God wanted the church to be. God always wants to have personal relationship with all of his people. He wants to demonstrate his power to you. He wants to live with you in power, with love, with joy, with light, with blessing. You personally. He doesn't want to do it through me or anybody else standing like I'm standing. He's a personal God. But humanity says we don't like the price of being so close to God because the fear of God enters us and we don't like that. But the whole reason God shows His power so that you can understand that if you live a different way but in His presence, this is not a good thing that's going to come on your life. And so some people, and, and rightly so, they will call it curses come upon you. Anti-blessing. It's simple. This is not a complicated thing. You're either in light or darkness. You're either living in God or you're living not for God. You're either attracting blessing or you're attracting anti-blessing. It's simple. Jesus says it. You can't live in two kingdoms. But Christians think they can. Christians think it's okay. We can be born again. We can live with light in us and life in us, but, and we can just live whatever we want to do, sin how we want to sin, because we just live in a society that sins. So as long as we're living in the same way society is and not worse than them, then we're okay, as long as we can go to church on Sunday and repent. So then you think you want blessing with that kind of lifestyle? Not you all. You all are great, talking about generally speaking. I'm explaining some things. <clears throat> So, I'm not going to, I'm going to just touch on a few things here, but Deuteronomy chapter 28, eight, number verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, diligently obey. What is diligence? Diligence is, I'm on it. I'm on it all the time, I'm on it. I'm diligent. Hey? So if you weren't here yesterday, I'm happy to declare to you today, I will be doing the Absa Cape Epic next year. And uh, I will finish it. Amen. Amen. That's my declaration. That's my confession. Kit is my partner. We're going to finish it together. Yes. Amen. Amen. We're going to have good health, good strength. 
I want to tell you, I'm diligent in my training. I'm on it every day. Six days a week, one day I rest. That's this day. Six days a week, I'm on it. I'm training at least two hours a day. Once a week, I'm training four hours a day. And occasionally, I have to train two and a half or three hours a day. I'm on it. I'm diligent. Ah, so if we're going to diligently obey the voice of the Lord, that means we've got to be on it. When he speaks, I obey. When I'm listening, hey, 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 okay, there it is. I've got to go this way. I've got to go this way. And I keep going. I don't quit. I'm diligent. So what happens to the church? They hear the voice of the Lord. I'm, I'm happy to tell you this, but I'm also sad to tell you this. That if you're hearing me, you're hearing the voice of the Lord. Oh, Pastor John, that's a big statement. No, I represent God here. If I did not believe that God had called me to stand in this pulpit and speak, I should rather quit right away. Because the consequences of me being in the wrong place and the wrong time doing the wrong thing is too horrific eternally for me to even contemplate that. So, for you to be hearing someone stands in this pulpit and preaches because there's a delegated authority that God has given to me. And if I delegate it to others, then they stand in the same place of authority that I do. So, you better give attention to the voice of the Lord. Now, if I stand up here and I preach all kind of nonsense... I give you permission and I encourage you and I say to you, you should not listen to me. Don't. If I come here and spew out philosophies and all kinds of ideologies and all kinds of stuff, but if everything I'm teaching is from the Word of God and I've got a solid basis from the Word of God and I've researched the Word of God and there are other men around the world that agree with the kind of things that I'm preaching, that it's not just me and a lone voice trying to bring some kind of some kind of new doctrine to you, well then, you know, if I'm in the right place, you should be listening. Diligently. So you should diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Observe carefully. Sounds like God's getting a message to us. Be diligent and observe carefully. That means I can't just take it one day on a Sunday and say, well, I've got it now. Is that diligent? Is that carefully observing? No. That's why the Lord came upon Pastor Christie many years ago now, and she came up with the phrase, put your foot in the message. We now maybe call it something else sometimes, continuing in the message, hearing the message, doing the message, but the principle, message moments, but the principle is the same. We must continue in the messages yes. because this is God speaking to this assembly constantly of the way that we should go. Thank you, Pastor Christie, for those years ago for being obedient to, to minister that. Yes. And we continue to live that in our ministry. Those gifts and callings function in our church under delegated authority. That's the way we work here. We are careful to do this. That the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Come on. All of us want to be above and not beneath, don't we? We want to be the highest, not the lowest. 
And all these blessings shall come upon you. Diligently obey, carefully observe, and these blessings shall come upon you. Diligently obey, carefully observe. Come on, come on. This is not rocket science. This is, this is just plain writing of the Word of God. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Machtach, man. This most makkelijk. You would think. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to the anti-blessing side and deal with that first. Then I'll come back to the blessing side. But it shall come to pass, verse 15. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So if I say anti-blessing, that means if I'm behaving against God, then what's God got to do when, he, when my behavior is against God? He's got to bring judgment against my anti-God behavior. Yes? He's got to bring correction and he's got to bring judgment. Because there's no other will. There's no other divine will in the universe. Okay. So if he says these curses will come upon you, it says... My blessing is no longer upon you and you now live in the realm of the anti-blessed. You now live in the realm of the anti-blessed called curse. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. You have no blessing there. In fact, you are now in the realm of darkness. You're in the realm of the will of men. You're in the realm of all of the forces that work against God. You're in that realm in your basket and your kneading bowl. You're in that realm in the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. You shall not increase in cattle and you shall not increase in offspring of your flocks. You shall not be blessed when you come in and blessed. You will have the anti-blessing as you go everywhere. And the Lord will send on you cursing, confusion and rebuke in all that you set your hand to until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. Okay, so if people come to you and they start saying to you, there's a bloodline curse or there's a generational curse, then I have this to say to them. There is no curse without disobedience. There is no curse without somebody forsaking the way of God. There is no curse without people willingly making a decision, I don't want to live for God. So it's not some curse that's following you, it's disobedient anti-God behavior. I'm trying to take the mystery, the mystique, the, the, the connotations of curses that people have about, about uh, this whole subject out of the equation because it's not some mystery. It, it has its source in obedience and disobedience. Okay, so some people say, but the Lord is going to make this come upon you. No, the Lord has made a judgment and he has put his, 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 his life and his standard as the, as the standard. 
Now, when you step out of that, automatically he says, my life and my standard has got to judge your behavior. That puts you into anti-blessing territory. That means you are confused. It means that you will perish quickly. Why are you going to perish quickly? Because that darkness, that sin nature is going to destroy you. It's what it does. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you. For the land, from the land which you are going to possess, the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with a sword, the scorching, and with mildew. They will shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron. Does it feel sometimes to you like when you're praying, there is no way that you, it's like, uh, why must I pray? Because there's nothing going there. And it means there's nothing in the earth that is yielding itself to you. You're in the state all the time. Maybe you're in a state of confusion because of anti-God behavior. Because you've disobeyed God. Yeah. And so people again want to get into this and say, well, God has got sickness and he makes sickness come upon you. No, he doesn't have sickness. I told you, and you can go read the Bible, his, his life, his light, and his love. There is no sickness and no corruption in God. So how does he say he's going to make it come? What he's doing is he's saying, you're, I'm on this side of life. You've chosen to be that side of life. The minute you're on that side of life, anti-life stuff comes on you. And what is confusion other than you walk around like you're in darkness? Can't see the light. The Lord will cause you. It's not the Lord. It's the fact that the Lord is saying, here's my blessing line, you're on that side. But you will be defeated before your enemies and you shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them and you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Why? Because somebody that's living in this way is troubled and wherever they go, they bring trouble with them. Your carcass shall be food to all the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and you shall frighten them away. Uh, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with boils of Egypt. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. You shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually and no one shall save you. I'm going to quit there. You can read the rest of it. I'm trying to make a point to you and the point I'm saying to you is, is that it's not God that's causing these things to come upon you. It's your choice to be disobedient. Didn't he say in the beginning, if you will disobey me, if you will not do these things, then these things will come upon you. He doesn't want anybody to live in that realm. He wants everybody to live in the blessed realm. I want to just mention this to you. Locusts shall consume all your trees, verse 42, and the produce of your land. The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail. Wow. Does it sound like a lot of what goes on in people's lives? It just seems like something is always eating at your wealth. Something is always eating at your, as you think you're making progress, so you come down. What is that? Disobedience. 
Ah, Pastor John, now you might be touching on something. I know I am. Because uh, I know that I know that some people think that what we preach is radical and controversial. This is not a new, this is not a new accusation to me. This has been part of my ministry for 23 years. And in fact, when I was in my previous pastor's church, you know, the way that I lived in my love walk with Sharon and the way that I declared men could love their wives, it was already considered radical. It was already considered too much for the men. Because men didn't want to hear that you could love your wife the way I loved her and still love her. Men generally didn't want to hear that because they had their own agenda in marriage. So they didn't want to hear what I had to say. Similarly, women didn't want to hear what the Word of God says about the way a woman should love a, wife, a, a husband. But, but women are, have a tendency because of the way God ordained it to have their hearts towards their husband. So they have a greater tendency to want to obey that. I just want to say to you, uh, controversy is not new to me. And I think I'm in good space because Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And who were the people that persecuted Jesus more than anybody? The religious people. Yeah. So this is not a new thing for me. Uh, So I told you yesterday, Sharon and I are not here for a popularity contest. If we were and we wanted to please people, then we wouldn't be in the ministry. Because this is not how you make friends. If you're going to tell the truth, you're not going to make friends. Yeah, no. Other than those who love the truth. And those who want to serve the truth. So well done, everybody. If you're like me, you're in a good space. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, uh, Brother Jerry, Brother Copeland, all of these guys, they, they had so many years of persecution. It doesn't happen that much anymore because to a large extent, their lives have changed so much in the body of Christ. And there's so much more acceptance of what they preach now than there was then. But in the early years, I'd say the first 20 years of their ministry, people used to come to their church services and picket outside with men. And they used to try and block people for coming and stand there with microphones and shout against them. I mean, they've had people write books about them. They've had all kinds of things. You think that if you may stand up for a, a truth that God wants you to declare in the church, that it's not going to receive persecution? It certainly is. Jesus guaranteed it. So I'm saying that because of this. Uh, Lord Jesus, help me. Just help me. Just help me. Help all of you to hear what I'm saying and not take this out of, out of context and get all bent out of shape about this. There were many years that people grew up in apartheid where the government was telling them a story, they were giving them information, and it was selective information, and apartheid became the way of life in South Africa. It was not truth. It was not God's way of intended living. But it was a choice of government. Come on now. If you were if you were if you were a a black person living in an apartheid government, you were
told this is the only way you could live. So you had to accept the fact that this is the only way you could live because the government told you this is the only way you could live. Similarly, if you were a white person, if you were a white person, the government told you this is the way you can live. So what did the majority of people do in South Africa? They, would, they lived the way they were told they must live. So then there were some people that said, no, we don't think so. There were some white people that said no, and they got thrown into jail or they were, had to go and live in exile. There were some black people that said no, Nelson Mandela, Thabo Mbeki, Walter Susulu, those very famous names that are now part of history. They said no. They started a movement, which was called the ANC movement, to stop bad behavior. They were targeted by who? The power in office, the government in office. They brought all their might and power against those people. And so Nelson and many of those people, Nelson Mandela, all of those people, they spent many years in jail because they said, no, we don't accept this way of governing. Right? And so it took some radical people to shift the goalposts. Otherwise, people would just keep living the way they were told to keep living. So you understand, I'm not taking a political side here. I'm just stating the facts. Okay. And that's the same with the church. Everybody says, if the church tells and the world says and the culture says and everybody that's successful says, this is the way we must live, then that's the way we've got to live. And everybody just goes along doing what everybody else said. It was successful in those years and it was good for us in those years and it was the better way of living in those years so we must just keep living that way. But then God sends somebody into the earth and says, no, 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 this is not the way to live. I've got a better way for you to live. And this is the truth I want you. And so what do the people generally do that have been told to live the way that they are told to live? They just saying, hey, Don't mess with our way of living here. Don't mess with it. We have chosen a way of living. I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. If you were some white guy that grew up in apartheid and suddenly someone's threatening your way of life, actually, you were told to go to war to defend it. If you were some black person that wanted a liberation, you were told to go to war to get it, right? And so we find ourselves in a place that from generation to generation, it was passed on to children's children. If you are a white person, I pass it on to my children, you have to defend apartheid. I pass it on to the next generation, you've got to defend this. You've got to defend this. The government says it, we see it, and then they got the church involved to help protect it from an ideological standpoint. So now the church is saying it, and the government is saying it. So generation to the next sons in the generation, to the next daughters in the generation, you must defend it, you must defend it, you must defend it. 
And uh, on the other side, there's a black group of people who say, we got to fight against it. We got to fight against it. So I'm passing the fight on to the next generation, to the next generation, because the ANC is what? A hundred and something years old? Generations of people it's been transferred to you. We got to defend it. We got to fight against it. These are not curses. These are generational transfer of behavior. It's the download of ideology, philosophy, a way of life. Tell me what you think the next biggest problem humanity is going to face. We've just got a taste of it. We're not even there yet. We just got a taste of it. And right now, we think our biggest problem is social media. If you think social media is our problem, we haven't even scratched the surface of the next generational transfer of behavior that's coming our way. It's called artificial intelligence. And it's going to transform our societies in ways that we've never even imagined could be possible. And we're going to become more alienated and more dependent on on electronics and equipment. And it's going to control our lives more and more. And it's going to bring in more anti-God behavior than we've ever dreamed of. And if we have a generational transfer of it's okay to look at your screen and look at your screen and look at your screen and it's okay to live your life looking at your screen, then the next generation is going to be looking at their screen and every new development of electronic or generational transfer of electronic stuff is going to be acceptable. It's just a new way of transferring generational stuff. So is it a curse? Yes, it is, because it's anti-God. It's anti the blessing. It's causing us to be more independent. God says, that I want you to be independent of me. I want you to be dependent on me. Be dependent on your life source with me. Let's do this together. Social media says, be independent. What do you think the biggest, the biggest spirit is operating in the church and in life at the moment? An independent spirit. I don't need the church. I don't need what the church has got to say. I don't need all of this. I'm going to stand on my independence. And so how does it manifest in the church? People go from church to church to church where there's the next teaching, where there's the next anointing, where there's the next guy that's got the better music, that's got independent. I'll make my choices as I choose. That independent spirit is in the church. Where did it come from? Anti-God, anti-blessing. So how many of us are saying, oh, no, 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 come on. Come on, you know. Nah, I think we'll give this, uh, this next development in humanity, I think I'll give it a miss. No, you're going to get left behind. So what is the, whatever the force to do it says, come on, you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. So what do we as Christians say? I pray what Jesus prayed. I thank you, Lord, I'm in this world, but I'm not part of it. So I understand technology, but I don't let it destroy me. I reuse technology, but I don't let it tell me what to do. I depend on you, not the technology. I depend on your source for my life, not me. 
Hallelujah. See, God's got an answer for us. We just got to be ready to obey Him, not disobey Him. Hallelujah. So, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, I'm just bringing the other side to you today. The other side is, we don't have to live like that because we've passed through the veil. We've passed through the blood. We've passed through the cross. Yes? So we have the power of grace to help us live the way God wants us to live. We can obey Him. It's not in our nature anymore to disobey Him. It's in our nature to obey Him. Your nature is the God nature that you as a born again Christian have in you. We have just learned to listen to our human nature more easily than we have learned to listen to our spirit nature. I'm nearly finished today. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil. He who is disobedient to God is of the devil. Why do we want the disobedient devil people run our lives? Why do we want to let their standard be our standard? He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hello? What's our job? Destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Do you understand that your sin, your spirit man, that is a born again spirit man, cannot sin? Your spirit man is perfect. It's your body that can sin and your soul that gets your body to sin. So, in the end, if you want to start somewhere, if you want to start somewhere, I'm going to tell you in a minute where you can start. The first, the first thing that you can do is recognize that there's a whole spirit of disobedience in the world that's trying to get you to disobey. There's a whole world of darkness that wants to draw you into that world as a Christian. What are we supposed to do about it? Wherever we've been drawn into darkness, we have to repent. Shouldn't we? We must repent. I mean, one of the biggest things that I have to continuously watch myself on, and occasionally I've just got to say it out loud to Sharon, if it comes out of my mouth, I've got to say it out loud to Sharon and or to people. Sometimes if I'm in a meeting and I say something that I shouldn't be saying, I would correct myself. What do I do? I repent. I repent from words. If I say something, ah, you know, if I say something that is just not God's words, I have to repent from it. I can't just let them hang out there. 
Because those words are creating. As they are out there, they are creating. So I can't take those words back. What I can do is I can speak repenting words and then have those words cover those previous words with the blood. Amen. I have to renew my mind. I've got to keep renewing my mind. Otherwise, I'm going to keep disobeying God. I'm going to keep letting darkness affect me. Doesn't the Bible say, come on, it's the biggest, one of the biggest scriptures used in the church today. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to renew our mind. This is a choice that you make. If you want to walk in the obedience of God, it's a choice you have to make. And so you can't make that choice by having old patterns of thinking. You've got to have new ways of thinking. And then you have to resist the devil. The, book of, the Bible says in the book of James chapter 4, verse 7, that you must submit yourselves to God and then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. The book of Ephesians says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. That word wrestle is a very powerful wrestle because wrestling is a very close combat, combat uh, battle. And so the whole thing about wrestling is that as the devil is combating me with what? Predominantly thoughts and words. If I can get you to think something and say something, think something and say something, in this close combat wrestling, I'm going to get you pinned down. Because your words will give me the energy and the fuel that I need to pin you down. Because your words and your thoughts will create your very defeat. Yeah, I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. I know you can't see it, but I got uh, on my iPad here when I made my notes here, I put these little feet next to what I was going to tell you. Can you see? Put these little feet. Well, the reason I put the little feet there is because this is something I was just telling myself. I've got to remind myself, we've got to walk this thing out every day. Walk it out, walk it out every day. This is not something you do once. You've got to walk it out. You've got to keep walking it out. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In a minute, we are going to have communion. And uh, I just want to finish off by going back to Deuteronomy. But I just want to ask you, and I want to just uh, reiterate to you, do you think that you have a better understanding of this whole thing called cursing? Do you have a better understanding of these things that are called generational transfer, that it's a behavior pattern, it's a disobedience pattern, it's living in darkness? But God says, hey, if you obey me, I will bless you to a thousand generations. Why? Because as you see the life of God in me, you're going to choose to live life because the blessing is on my life. I've got called God demonstrating himself through me. You're right. And I see God in you and I see God in you and I see God in you and I see God in you. And ah, maybe there's a thousand generations that are getting it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is achievable. This is not something out of our scope. This is achievable. So if we obey the voice of the Lord and observe carefully, if we are diligent and we observe carefully, then these blessings will come upon you. I've got to just find it here. 
Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading dough, your daily bread. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face. He's not asking enemies to come against you. Enemies are just always gonna come against you. Do you get the point? But He's gonna defeat them before your very eyes as they come against you. There they go. There they go. Right before me, they just fall. They shall come out against you one way and they shall flee before you seven ways. It's not you going to be fleeing seven ways. They're going to flee seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all that which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself. Just as He has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. Yeah is how you walk in the blessed life. This is how you keep getting blessing. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or the left, to go after other gods to serve them. I did talk about, and I did have messages previously about gods and serving other gods. And there aren't gods that are named gods. And I just want to tell you that, uh, is my timer. I'm on the money today. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, let Let me just close by saying this. That every war that is being fought, that has been fought, and that is being fought, people will make it about about governing ideologies, but it's all about gods. When the Philistines came against the Israel, Israelites, it was about their gods against Israel, Israel's gods. The thing that God always told about Israel, He says, don't Worship other gods and don't have their images or their idols come into your life. Okay, so I have a question for you, which I'm not going to answer for you. You can answer it for yourself. Because if I answer this question for you, you think I've got an agenda. But you tell me what are the gods and the idols and the images that the world is serving today. Out there. Every day of their life, they have the idols, they have the images, They have their things that they are worshipping every day. What is it? Anybody would like to just throw out something here? Money. Yeah. What's What's on the face of money? Do you ever find a money that doesn't have a picture on it? All money's got a picture on it. 
people worship money. It's their idol. You don't have to have it to worship it. If it dominates your life and all of what you do, it's got a place. Anybody out throw another name out there? Sport. Come on, if you don't see the stadiums full of people. And their, their best idols get up on the stage and they put gold chains on them. And everybody is like, yeah. Our heroes, our champions have won the battle. We are the best in the world. Come on, what is one of the biggest economies that are happening in the world today? Is it not the world of gambling and betting? On what? Sport. It's the biggest gambling force in the earth. Sport betting. Why? It's the worship of gods, idols. Anybody else throw a name out there? Entertainment? What did you say? Entertainment? Entertainment. Big deal. Big deal. People will make time for entertainment. Well, it doesn't have to be movies. It doesn't have to be music. Those, it includes those. It, has, it can be any form of something that entertains you. What about uh, work? I mean, people have even coined it as a phrase. He's a workaholic. She's a workaholic. What does that mean? It means work, 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 work. Because I'd rather work than be idle. When God says, hey, take time out, be with me. He doesn't mind us working. He doesn't mind us playing sport. He doesn't mind us having things in our lives. But it's the place of priority that it has in your world. It's how much you let that stuff in rather than how much you let God in. And you can go down the list. There's many things that you can name and you can put. Say, hey, these are idols. These are gods. These are things that are in the world system. They are darkness. And if they get you to serve them, then, they're gonna, then you by default can't obey God in other things. Because your energy and your attention is already given to some things. So you can't have something to give to God. So let me just be clear for, of this once and for all. If it wasn't a supernatural experience that I was having the Lord, with the Lord about the Absa Cape Epic, I would not be doing it. But he has given me a purpose to do it. And he has given me a favor and a blessing to do it. So when you see me training hard and you see me doing all of these things, it's not without purpose, without his blessing, without his favor. And so it must take the right priority even in my life. Otherwise it becomes an idol to me. It becomes something that is of greater priority to me than God. But because I'm doing this with God, I have his blessing. I have his favor. Why is he trusting me with us? Because he knows me. He already knows that I would never let anything else take a higher priority in my life than that, than him. I'm not going to let that come over him. 
and his blessing is all over this thing, as I shared with you yesterday. So it's time for us to remember the blessing of God, the covenant of God, the blessings that God says if we obey him and we do all of these things. So what are we going to do now? We're going to recognize that we need him and we need to walk with him. We're going to repent. We're going to renew. We're going to repent. And we are going to resist. And we are going to be strong in all of what we do. Amen. So now when we take communion, this is our moment to say, Lord, we recognize that we have passed from darkness into light. We are not of disobedience. We are of obedience. We resist and we talk against and we repent from any of the things that have come our way that we have given too much attention to. And we renew our mind and we resist the devil so we can walk in victory and blessing. We do not accept any of the anti-blessing stuff in our lives, any of the curses in our lives. We walk in the blessing of the blood of Jesus we walk in all of the good things that you have pre-planned and prepared for us to live in and to walk in. Amen. Amen. Now, as we serve the, the body of the Lord Jesus, remember I said last week we did communion and this, work, this week we're doing communion because this is our signature seal of the covenant. Yes. This is the thing that makes the difference because we remember what he did. We remember and we constantly remind ourselves that this is what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so while, while they are uh, busy going about doing this, I want to just remind you that you are blessed going out. And you are blessed coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Everything about what you're doing is blessed. Because you are children of obedience. You are children of the light. You are children of His love. You are children of the Most High God. You have a whole new covenant that you can walk in. Praise the Lord. And so... Restoration is part of our mandate. God says that which the locust has eaten, He is going to restore to us. Not just restore what's been eaten, but He's going to increase the restoration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm standing on the restoration. I'm standing on the increase of God that's coming as a restoration. I'm, I'm, be, I'm believing that healing... It's going to come because we obey and that is part of our covenant is healing and health and the restoration of all things is part of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm not, a, I'm not against... Uh, and I want to just make this clear. I'm not against financial institutions. I'm not against science. I'm not against sport. I'm not against entertainment. I'm not against any of these things. What I am against is the way that the enemy has used it to pervade and in, intrude into our lives as Christians. And if we don't live by these things, we feel like these things 
We've got to live part of these things to be part of humanity. No, we don't. Hey? No, we don't. We can use the tools they give us, but we don't have to be part of it. We've got to live for God. We've got to make choices for God. Hallelujah. I, I believe this with all my heart as, as a church. If we, if we continually affirm our obedience to the word, if we are diligent in these things and we are careful to observe these things, if we are diligent in these things and we are careful to observe these things, I believe this with all my heart. The healing power of God is going to be unleashed and released into all of our people. I'm telling you now, this is going to happen. Healing, healing, restoration, physical restoration, financial restoration, relational restoration. These things are going to be released into into our lives, into our world, because God promises that if we will obey Him and we will diligently do these and we are careful to observe these things, then God is going to bring the restoration. It might not happen in the time frame that you think like it's next week or next month or next day. Some of these things might take a little bit longer, but you got to stand on it that it's coming. You got to let not, you got to renew your mind so the words that come out of your mouth are the words of God, not the words of what the circumstances say. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Won't you stand, please? Praise the Lord. And so, Lord, we agree. We agree with your word. And we are thankful. We are grateful. And we say, thank you, Lord, that you died for us and that your body was broken for us. And we receive restoration. We receive healing. We receive blessing in all of our natural world. Because of your body that was broken for us. And as we eat this, we receive the very life of of Jesus. We receive the very power of life that restores everything in our world. In Jesus' name. Do you agree with that? Receive the blessing of the Father in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As we take the blood of the Lord Jesus, we remember that what he paid for was that you and I do not have to live in a realm of stress. We are free from the power and the effects of sin and the nature of sin and all of the darkness of sin. We are liberated from it. The blood has set us free from it. And we declare that we remember the power and the the price that Jesus paid for, and we walk in the full freedom, full liberty, the full joy of being free from darkness, oppression, and curses, anti-blessing life. We receive the freedom through the blood of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands and just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just in your own language now, just for a few seconds, just praise the Lord. Just say thank Him. Just close your eyes and just say thank you, Lord. I walk in it. I receive these messages. I receive the revelation. I receive everything that you've got for me. I no longer live in an anti-blessed life. I live in a blessed life. I do not receive any sickness, disease, or any other things that come upon my body and in my world. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. 
Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Ernest, come stand here by me. This is my son, Ernest. Yeah, ne. This is my son, Ernest. Look how smart he looks today. Hey? Uh, this, is, this is restoration speaking. This is a blessed life speak standing here next to me. Amen. What the devil meant for harm in the early years of his life, separating him from parents, separating him from family, trying to destroy his life, God brought him to us. And now you walk in a blessed life, a restored life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My son Ernest, he's lived in our, in our family for so many years, I can't even, I can't even think of my life without you, Ernest. Here? Here? My son, eh? Yeah. Hallelujah. This is restoration. He's him here with Emma, it's restoration. His children are with him, it's restoration. It's restoration. It's time for restoration. Hallelujah. It's time for restoration. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Ernest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 All of your dreams, all of the desires that God puts in your heart, it's time to restore them. It's time to go with God. It's time to hear His voice. It's time to walk with Him. It's time to lay hold of it, claim it, go after it and say, Lord, the blessings of Abraham are mine. Your blessings are mine. No cursing in my life, just blessing in my life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So for those of you that are going to be on the farm with us for a couple of days, we'll see you lap aside. Travel safely. For those that are you or that are going other places, also travel safely and be blessed in all of what you do. May your relationships be sweet. May your rest be good and blessed. May the peace of God be upon you. May joy be your portion. And uh, we'll see you Christmas morning. Ready to praise the Lord. Yes. Christmas morning. Hallelujah. That's next Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need, to, you need to take your crossover booklet with you because you need to be crossing over while you're away or while you're on the farm or when you're at home or whenever. Crossover, crossover, crossover. Amen. Praise the Lord. Love you all. See you soon. Bye.